Welcome to the Bedford First Assembly of God podcast. We hope you enjoy this week's message. We'd love to hear what God is doing through this ministry. If you have a story to share, send us an email at connect at bedfordfirstag.org. Also, feel free to visit our website at bedfordfirstag.org. You can view the live stream of our services and find out more about our church. Thanks for listening. Luke chapter 19, 28 through 45. Again, it is the traditional reading that we do uh, during uh, uh, Palm Sunday. And it says, As he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of the disciples saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and as you enter it you will find a colt tied there, which... No one has ever ridden. Thank you, Lord, for that. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying this colt? Say, the Lord has need of it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as they had been told. As they were untying the colt, the owners did ask, what in the world are you doing? That was my version of it. And they replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the, on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the, crowd, the whole crowd of the disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles that he had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. And he said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. When Jesus entered the temple courts, he began, began to drive out those who were selling. Today I want to talk to you about cheers and tears. Everyone loves a parade, or I hope you do. Uh, whether it is the Macy Day Thanksgiving parade, I can watch about uh, 20 minutes of it, then i got to turn it off. Anybody with me? Okay. Uh, Rose Bowl Parade and all that kind of stuff. And, and I know that uh, Bedford has its own parades from time to time. Marching bands, uh, uh, floats, and then uh, clowns. Clowns are creepy. Anybody with me? I mean, seriously. You go in your home and you see a clown standing there. You shoot them. Uh, <laughs> I mean, what else are you going to do? A clown hiding around in your house. 
And so uh, everybody loves a parade, and Jesus got a parade that day as he entered into Jerusalem to show himself. Now, if you do a, a study of all of this, you find out that the Paschal lamb in the Old Testament was supposed to be examined for a, a certain amount of time to make sure that it was spotless, that it was ready to be sacrificed. And this corresponds very, very nicely with Jesus entering in and basically saying to the people, examine me, look at me, see if I'm ready to be your sacrifice. And of course, the Father in heaven. This was during the Passover season, and Jerusalem had, generally has about 30,000 people in that time. And it would have swollen to, I don't know, a couple hundred thousand people. And Jesus was fulfilling Scripture. He was fulfilling prophecy. And he was also uh, looking forward to future uh, fulfillments. In this past that we're, uh, we're talking about today, Jesus sends to get a, an animal that he might walk on. Uh, I mean, ride on. And it's sort of funny that uh, in that day, the horse was the stallion. I mean, the stallions, the horses, they were the, the big dog things. If you got a donkey, it was like a pickup truck, you know, whatever. But uh, if, if somebody was at your house, and you were in your house, and you were rustling around doing your thing, and, and all of a sudden you hear your car starting, and you go out on the front porch, and somebody is in your car starting it up, getting ready to drive it away. What would you do? I can't hear you. Get your gun out. Run out, punch the guy or the girl in the head. You ain't taking my car, that's my car. And they roll down the window and they say to you, hey, the Lord has need of it. This is exactly what happened in this reading this morning. They go and they untie this, this donkey and the owner comes out and says, what in the world are you doing untying this donkey? Well, you know what, the Lord has need of it. And that was good enough for the owner of the cult. And so they bring it back to Jesus. And, and there uh, we know uh, by history that if you are a conquering king entering into a city, you are generally on a massive stallion of some sort. You're showing off for the people as you come in. Matter of fact, uh, it has been told to us that Julius Caesar, whenever he entered Rome, it was about 45 B.C., he had a chariot made of gold, pretty impressive in itself, but he had 40 elephants pulling it. I'd have hated for that thing to get away. I don't know if anybody could have stopped 40 elephants from running rampant. But anyway, that's how he entered into uh, uh, Rome at the time. Forty elephants, a, a chariot of gold. Whenever a king would come in on a donkey, it was a sign that he was coming in in peace. He was coming in as somebody that wanted to, to help and to, and to bring peace to a, a situation. And so people, uh, you know, they started, uh, as we have done in this church and other churches from time to time, in enactments, put down palm branches and clothes, and people walk in on it, pretending to be Jesus, uh, waving palm branches in the air. And you, you look at this portion of Scripture, and you recognize as Jesus was on this donkey coming in peace, 
he weeps. Now, if you do a study of the weeping, I'm not going to get into it real deep. Whenever Jesus is at the tomb of Lazarus, his friend, it, it, those shortest verse in the Bible, it says he wept. But when, if you look at that, that weeping, that means a, some tears down the, down the eyes and, you know, a little soft uh, uh, crying. This weeping means uh, that it was shaking of the shoulders. It was, it was heaving uh, of the breast. He was, he was in full-out weeping mode as he came down that hill. And I, I, I think it's sort of interesting that nobody seemed to notice. Seriously. You got, a, you got a guy riding on a donkey and he is just weeping his eyes out. He is bawling and he is heaving because he's riding in and everybody's just cheering. It's a great day in the morning. Come on in, King. And, and he is weeping. Matter of fact, many, many years ago in about 163 B.C., there was a guy called Judas Maccabee. Uh, not the Judas that betrayed Christ, but Judas Maccabee. He was known as the hammer. And so as he was coming into Jerusalem, uh, matter of fact, the Romans weren't invading or holding uh, uh, it, Jerusalem. It was the it was Assyrians. Uh, and he entered in in this massive uh, stallion. And there they cleaned out the temple. Uh, they burned incense. They offered sacrifices. Uh, they got this huge menorah. Uh, and they lit and they burned it for eight days. Uh, and matter of fact, you've, you've heard, uh, you may not know why they do this, uh, but they got, they got this festival of lights. It's called Hanukkah. And uh, it, it, they burn this, uh, these candles, uh, and they remember. What do they remember? They're, they're remembering Judas Maccabee and that, that almost, uh, uh, you know, him coming in and delivering them. But the fact of the matter is, not too long later, G Judas was killed, Maccabee, and that was the end of the hammer. Jesus, 200 years later, basically, enters into Jerusalem. Same thing. The, the worship and the praise and the glory uh, and, the, uh, and the, the, the same things happen, the singing and the, the praising, all that. Let me tell you that a re revolutionary, which uh, Judas Maccabee was, is willing to kill other people for his cause. Jesus, which is not necessarily a revolutionary, is willing to redeem people by himself dying. And that's what Jesus was doing that day two, over 2,000 years ago. He's coming in and saying, here I am. I'm not here on a stallion. I'm not here with a, a golden chariot. I don't have 40 uh, uh, elephants pulling me this morning. I am here on this donkey because I'm bringing peace to my people. And as they were bringing in Jesus... Again, so many, many, many things happened that day. He was coming in and saying, peace. And today, he comes into this place. And he will talk to you about peace. We go a lot to, uh, matter of fact, I'm going to turn to it for just a little bit. We go to uh, Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 9. And we many, many, many times read that during this time of celebration. Zechariah 9.9 9 says this, 
Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having a salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of uh, the foal of a, of a donkey. And we stop right there. How many ever read beyond that? I hope you have. And if, I ho- if you haven't, you need to. Because this portion of Scripture that we quote uh, during uh, th- this time where we celebrate uh, uh, this, this great uh, uh, program where we do uh, palms, uh, this is only part of what has been said. If you go on down, it goes and it says, I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem and the battle bow from the, uh, will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you, because uh, of the uh, blood of my covenant with you, I will free you. Uh, uh, I will free your punishment from the waterless pit. And it goes on and on and on to talk about his second coming. In the same verses, the same verses, one verse talks about his initial coming on this day we're celebrating. It goes in to talk about his second coming, which is inevitable. He is coming again. And the next time he will not be coming on a little horse or on a little donkey. He will be coming not as a suffering Savior, but He's going to be coming as a King of kings and the Lord of lords. That is what our Lord is going to bring to the table someday in the future. I hope that it is quick. How many is ready for Jesus to come? Oh, the Lord is a great God, a glorious Lord. And we should be ready to come The Bible says that Jesus will come and and return in the clouds. That's the rapture of the church. And then again, we will go about uh, seven years of, of, uh, of the tribulation. And then this Jesus I'm talking about today will come back. Uh, he will set up his kingdom and his rule on this earth. I just read it to you from sea to sea, from this place to that place. And he will rule in this world. Uh, and I'm looking forward to it. And he talks about Israel. He talks about from sea to sea. That's every one of us. Are you ready to rule and reign with your Lord? Because for a thousand years, a thousand years, we're going to have peace. It's going to be the, uh, the, the sword and the, uh, uh, turned into a plowshare. Uh, it's going to be weaponry turned into agricultural things. Uh, and, and we're going to have a, a thousand years of great stuff. Now, I know at the end of that thousand years, Satan's let free. He goes around and deceives the nation. I don't know how or why, but again, everything is over. We look at Jesus and we think, Jesus, you've come that first initial time. You could have called for a legion of angels to get you out. You could have came in and actually conquered Rome and set up your kingdom. But I want to tell you, Jesus only does what the Father tells him to do. So Jesus is on his way to the cross. Uh, Again, that's going to happen this week, Good Friday, and all those things. Uh, uh, Resurrection next Sunday. And we look at all of those things. Uh, Revelation and Zechariah talks to us about all of this. Uh, Revelation 19, 11, and, and 13 says, I saw heaven standing wide open, and there before me was a white horse. 
whose rider is called Faithful and True. He is dressed in noble, in robes dipped in blood, and his name is what? The Word of God. It is Jesus. Because the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, Jesus. And all of a sudden, we get a glimpse into heaven at the end of all this junk that's going on in our world. And Jesus is sitting up there on this white horse, and his garments are dipped in blood, talking about salvation and change. Zechariah tells us that on that day his feet will land on the Mount of Olives, east of Jerusalem, and the Mount of Olives will split in two from east to west. The Lord will be king over the whole earth. On that day, there will be one Lord, and his name, the only name. Wow. You and I come to that place where we say, Lord, come on in. And as this group of people that, that came out of Jerusalem that day, they were, they were shouting and wor worshiping God, and, and, and this coming down the hill, and he starts weeping and crying and carrying on, and, and nobody can even console him, even if they even knew about it. There is some stories in that that needs to be talked about. Again, I told you at Lazarus' tomb, Jesus wept. But this is much, much more than that. He is absolutely beside himself. And you go, why is he beside himself? Can I tell you what I, what I think? I think I can prove this scripturally, but I'll just tell you what I think. The Lord is in eternity. Anybody agree? He sits in eternity while we sit in time and space. And he has seen the beginning of his creation to the end of his creation all in one glance. He saw Adam being created, and he has seen the last person ever to die on earth die. As he stands outside of time and space, he's looking and he can see everything there is to see. And Jesus, before he was born on this earth, was in eternity. And as he was in eternity, he saw what was going to happen. And as Jesus is coming down that hill, he weeps and weeps and weeps. And he talks about Jerusalem being dismantled. He, he, he sees the temple being destroyed. And uh, Jesus' prediction was not somehow just, oh, well, I'm going to predict the future. Jesus was there and saw the future as he's relaying it to him. See, we don't understand eternity. I can't really understand eternity. But I know that I'm stuck in this time, and I'm going to move from point to point to point to point until I die. God is not that way. That's why he can so easily tell you about your life. He can so easily know about the future things in life. Jesus coming down that hill, he sees the people, and he sees the right here and right now, and he also sees 70 years in the, 40 years in the future, whenever in A.D. 70, uh, there's, a, uh, there's a, a, a siege on that. Titus comes and destroys everything there is. He sees that because he's already been there. See, Sometimes we, we get carried away believing that we can change history, we can change the future. Well, maybe, maybe, yeah, who knows. 
I don't think so. The Lord is not telling us a prediction of the future. He's just telling us what happened. He knows what happened. He's telling us about it. And so as Jesus is coming down this, he's telling us about this. Now, we, whether you love uh, 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 Josephus or not, uh, I mean, Josephus is a great historian. He tells us actually what happened uh, with, uh, with uh, Jerusalem. And, and we do know, and I, you know, I don't know if you've read it or know it or whatever, but Josephus was a Jewish uh, a soldier also that uh, really defected and went over to the Roman uh, 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 military. You say, oh, I didn't know that about him. Yeah, he did. And while he was over there, uh, and he went there because he got tired of the rebellions of the Jewish people against Rome all the time, all the wars and all the skirmishes, so he goes over there. But he is there and he records for us what happened uh, 40 years after Jesus died to Jerusalem. Let me read it for you. It says, General Titus gave his soldiers leave to set the suburbs on fire and ordered that they should bring timber together and raise banks against the city. All hope of escaping was now cut off from the Jews. Then did the famine widen its progress and devoured the people by whole houses. And the lanes of the city were full of the dead, while the holy place of the holy house was on fire, everything was plundered that came to hand. Tens of thousands of those uh, that were caught were slain. Nor was there a, a consideration of any person of age and reverence for uh, children or old men or women or profane people or priests. All were treated and killed in the same way. As Jesus came down this hill, that's what he saw. That's what he knew was going to happen. And he weeps over this people because he knows where they're headed and what they're going to be facing in the near future. That's why he cried that day. And I want to tell you, I think it's interesting to see that the Lord can and will cry even over us Jesus comes to Lazarus. He knows he's going to raise him from the dead. If I, if I had been Jesus, I'd have walked in there all happy. Hey, never mind, Lazarus is going to rise from the dead. Let me, let me get Bob, Bob, he's up. Everybody happy now? But Jesus started weeping at that point even because of the hurt and the pain of the people that were there that had lost Lazarus. I have to tell you, God cares about your feelings. He cares about where you're at in life. He cares about people that hurt you and you hurt them. He's concerned about your future. He sees some of your future, all of your future. He sees your future and he wants to do something about it. Those people that reject the Lord, the Lord has seen already the, 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 uh, the uh, consequences of rejecting Jesus. People that uh, barely serve God and, and run into problems in their future, God sees it. And he wishes somehow you could change your ways. Uh, really, the only thing that we can do in this life is serve our Lord and our Savior. To serve our Lord and our Savior. That day... What did the people want? Very simple. 
They had been under the thumb of Rome for a long time. And they said to themselves, here comes a guy like Judas Maccabee, but this guy I think is for real. I think he's got the power to run Rome out and set up a kingdom here. And they didn't want a suffering Savior. That's not who they wanted. They wanted the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And Jesus comes in and says, no, that's not me yet. Someday, someday, are you going to be on his side? Someday... This uh, guy that we see in the book of Revelation sitting on a stallion and his, his garments uh, uh, with blood on them, his own blood, and he's coming to bring salvation. That is the king that we're looking forward to now. In the past, it was Jesus coming on the donkey. In the future, it's Jesus coming on the stallion uh, to bring about justice and honor and, and his kingdom on this earth. There's going to be another time that he enters Jerusalem. I read to you about the uh, Mount of Olives splitting uh, from uh, down to east to west and his feet setting on them. Oh, my goodness. It is going to be an absolutely incredible time. Today is not the day to walk away from God. Today is not the day to not serve God. Today is not the day to be eh, with God. Today is a day to worship Him, give Him glory, honor, and praise. Uh, today is the day that we follow Him to the ends of the earth. And I want to tell you, there could be uh, things in our near future that's going to challenge our following of Jesus. I've, I've heard a lot of people, and I'm not going to get into it a lot, but I've heard a lot of people talk about the mark of the beast. If you don't know anything about the mark of the beast, uh, you need to study it or have somebody study it for you. And everybody says, well, I'll just go out and I'll plant me a garden. And I don't need no money, and I don't, well, okay. They should come and they shut your water off to your house because you won't pay with a mark. Uh, they, they won't uh, uh, give you any seed to plant with. Well, I'll get by now. You won't get by if we happen to be around. I'm, I'm praying that we're all gone by that time. But it can be a tough world sometimes. And the people that are going to serve God are going to make up their minds to, I am going to serve God, period. Because there's going to come a time of great reward. In this portion of Scripture that we read, the first one, he comes in, he clears the temple, he presents himself, God gives a stamp of approval, you're worthy to die for the sins of the world. And he cries and wails and carries on. Nobody seems to notice that he's crying and wailing. They just all cheering him on. But there's this other time, and I'm looking forward to it. Jesus ruling and reigning this world. It's never happened really before. Can you, can you imagine some of you being priests and uh, uh, mayors and governors and whatever else you say why no we're gonna we're gonna rule and reign with christ during the thousand years and you'll be something in that kingdom uh it's, it's worth it to serve god it's worth it to be a part of the plan of god and i i wish that the disciples i wish that the people back then could have seen what Jesus was doing, and ask him, Lord, 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 hold on a second. Let's stop this parade. Why are you crying? Well, of course, we know because of Scripture. I don't know if they knew ever. Why are you crying? Well, 
y'all are going to be killed. You're, you're, going to, you're, going to, you're going to walk away from me. You're not going to serve me. At the end of my whole ministry where I've, I've actually fed thousands and thousands and thousands of people, I've raised the dead, I've, I've opened blinded eyes. On the day of Pentecost, there's only going to be 120 people in the upper room that really has committed themselves to me. 120 people out of thousands and thousands and thousands of people that are still with God, following His instructions to wait until the promise is given. The church is born. You and I have a job to do. If you go back to the original part where Jesus says, go and get that donkey, I mean, we never hear anything about this owner. We never do. He was just there. He gave them. It was enough. You know, the Lord has need of it. And that's all we hear about this owner of the donkey. But that donkey owner did his part in history. The donkey himself done his part in history. He was a donkey that had never been ridden before. <laughs> Jesus hops on him and, you know, bonking, bronking down. No, he doesn't. Jesus just hops on and it's peace. Everybody does their part in history to promote Jesus. And if we're no more in this world, I mean, everybody looks for significance. What, what is my place in the kingdom of God? Well, this, this, this donkey owner, his significance was, oh, the Lord has need of my, my donkey. Yeah, okay, take him. That's all we ever hear about this guy. But he did his part. And I want to tell you that each and every one of us have our parts. And yours may not be great and significant as we would think of significance. But God doesn't look at it that way at all. He's just wanting to know, will you do what you're asked to do whenever you're asked to do it? That's all he's wanting to know. And when we say yes, we have added to the kingdom of God. Amen? I mean, you, you see some guys uh, running around with their jackets on again, ushers. You know, they got their jackets on. Just by the fact they're wearing a jacket and serving people, they have given themselves to the kingdom of God. I met some people that are serving for the first time in a long time as, as greeters this morning. They're, they're advertising for greeters, and they've been people out there. You are adding to the kingdom of God simply by saying yes to the kingdom of God. You say, well, the only people that get a lot of kudos maybe is the, the preacher or the uh, praise team or people that's up front. God doesn't look at it that way. God looks at anybody that contributes of their time, effort, and energy to the kingdom of God is worthy of praise and glory and pats on the back. What is your job? I see my brother back there sitting down instead of running the camera this morning. How long have you ran the camera? 26 years? Okay. No, <laughs> he said six years. You ever notice him back there and he's sitting there uh, running the camera? And you go, you pass by, and there's that guy running the camera. What a ministry. What a ministry. We have some people up there in the boat. You never see, I literally never. <laughs> they're just up, oh, they're waving at me now. Yeah, yeah. 
they go and they say, I want to do my part. I really think that they just don't want to sit with their wives and things like that. No. I'm sorry, guys. But the fact of the matter is, there's people in nursery and, and in, in, uh, in children's and, and in youth on Wednesday nights uh, that are doing am- amazing things that God is taking notice of. He put in the Word. He didn't have to put that in the Word of God. Go get the uh, donkey. Okay, they went and got the donkey. They, he didn't have to mention the guy. But the guy walks out, what in the world are you doing? You're taking my Ferrari. You're taking my, my car. You know, if, if uh, Larry would have been here today, he's got uh, great cars, and he, w- he doesn't let anybody touch them. So that's going to use him, but he's not here right now. But the fact of the matter is, anybody that wants to do something in the kingdom, it's possible to do. Next week, and here we go again, next week, our brand new pastor will be here. He's going to stand up here and preach. He's going to ask for help. He's going to ask for ministries. He's going to develop this and this. And some will say, oh, I just, yeah. Why don't you be the donkey owner that says you have need of this? The Lord has need of me. Here, let me do it. Why should people have to twist arms and beat, you know, and push and shove to get what needs to be done? Just be that donkey owner. I was going to say be the donkey, but we, we better not go there. <laughs> be that person that says, here I am. Just use me. Use me in whatever way that needs to be used. And the Lord will honor you and bless you. He may write a quote for you in, in heaven. Who knows? But today is a great day to honor our Lord and our Savior, which came on Palm Sunday over 2,000 years ago, presented himself, got the stamp of approval from God, and then went to the cross this week. God is a good God. Amen. Amen. Father, we love you. Thank you, Lord God, for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Thank you, Lord God, that you love us like we've never known before. Father, let us... Be people, Lord God, that responds to you entering into our world and to our lives. Lord God, let our rejoicing start but not stop. Let our service to you, Lord God, go on until you call us home. Father, we bless your wonderful and marvelous and glorious name. Lord God, you alone are worthy. And Lord God, we thank you and we praise you. We thank you, Lord God. We thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, you're a marvelous God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'd like for my elders to come just for a few moments. Jesus came, and his weeping was over people that would not receive him, didn't know what was going on. The Lord would love to touch you today. Whether you need Christ as your personal Savior or Lord, or if you just need something from the Lord. If you just need to be touched, you have something in your life that is stressing you out and you need direction and guidance from 
from here on. I just want you to stand and come. We already had one coming. Just needing prayer this morning for where to do, what to do, how to do something of this nature. doesn't matter. If you're here this morning, just stand and come. If you have need of something, we'll be praying for you. Anybody very, very quickly. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We're just going to wait for a few moments. Thank you, Father. Anybody else? Very quickly. We're not going to prolong the service. Thank you, Lord. Sing it for us this morning. Just going to give it a few more moments. Thank you, God.
again for this wonderful holy week you have given to us. Let us remember your sacrifice, your love, your, your mercy, your grace on us. Touch these people, Lord God, as they leave this place. Lord God, let us come back next week excited, Lord God, believing in your resurrection and what it has done for us. Lord God, let us pray this week, Lord God, for our new pastor and his wife as they come. Lord God, that you would encourage them, bless them, anoint them, Lord God. And we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen, 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 and amen. Praise the Lord. If you're praying around the altar, pray as long as you like. If you're leaving this morning, tell somebody you love them. Give somebody a handshake, a hug around the neck. God bless you this morning. Amen.